This is how a woman pours beer. <laughs> I'll take that one if you want. Oh my god. Well, I guess I'll wait 30 minutes for this. Time. All right, I'm doing much better with this one. <laughs> so triple caramelite is the beer. Triple caramelite. Do you know anything about it? Three grain beer still brewed after a 17th century recipe from the old Carmelite monastery of Dermond. Oh, so this these are uh, monk monks. Yes. Oh, okay. Blonde, robust, smooth, and fruity three-grain ale with a final fermentation in bottle. Brewed with pride and patience after Carmelite tradition of wheat, oats, and barley. 100% natural ale. So let me ask you a question. Like, so monks, I didn't think they could drink alcohol. I guess they can. No, I guess they can, yeah. And what do they do? They just get, I mean, they drink wine. They just get really drunk by themselves? Yeah, probably. Terrible. Yeah, they'll, they'll drink beer with everything. So we are going to Belgium. Belgium. Mm-hmm. And tell us where have you been in Belgium? So I lived in Leuven, Leuven, um, which is about 20 minutes outside of Brussels on the Dutch side. Um, So like, you know, if you were going east towards the Netherlands, Um, but I've been all over Belgium, I guess. I've been to Brussels, Ghent, Antwerp, um, you know, Antwerp. Yeah. Never heard of it. Ostend. um, Yeah. There's a bunch of cool places. There you go. In good old Belgium. So we're actually going to uh, Neville's Central Belgium, General Jacquez Avenue 42. So it is just south of Brussels. Oh, you can see Leuven on the map. How cool. Okay, so Brussels is about is pretty center in the country. Leuven is where I lived, which is about 20 minutes east. Um, and so Neville's is probably about 40 minutes looking at that by train south. When were you there, number one? 2011 to 2012. Okay, so you, 2011, so you, damn it. Did I just miss this? Well, you may still know it, though. Maybe. Like, was this about a exchange student or something? No, so this is where we're going. It's a nice little townhouse apartment. I don't know how expensive it is, but you see two little cops sitting out there. Mm -hmm. So I don't know who requests this. I think maybe Tram or somebody requested this. I have no idea. Tram, speak now or forever hold your peace. Tonight we are going to uh, February 28th, 2007. There was a 911 call that came in to the police department right there and it was a distraught woman on the line and she said the following quote I wanted to kill myself but I can't I want to die end quote that's what she said now I will say before we go any further this story is literally all translated from uh, French so little things here and there may be off as far as like quotes stuff like that but Mm -hmm. you know I did my best this is not an English story like no one has done this story besides like you know the usual news but even like Associated Press and stuff like that they didn't cover what I wanted to cover you know like exactly what happened on this day on February 28th 2007 so I to, hmm. for that I had to go and translate multiple websites and the actual police report which is called the uh, Act de Accusation so sounds fancy yeah fancy. so I showed you the apartment I'll put that on talkmore.com a woman caller 911 quote, I wanted to kill myself, but I can't. I want to die. And this woman turns out to be a 42-year-old former teacher. She was found sitting up against the wall of her apartment with her legs spread, spread eagled, and blood just dripping down everywhere. So... Like the scene from Carrie? Like, was she covered in blood? Yeah. But I will say that this was a suicide attempt, and she failed at it. Did she cause that much blood? Did she nick an artery? In 
her neck was a round thoracic wound, a deep gash in her throat. So she had a kitchen knife and she tried to slit her throat. That is a gruesome way. Like I've not heard of someone trying to slit their own throat before. Well, she did. And she uh, got close, but it didn't work. And then I guess she got scared and decided to call EMTs. And that's what happened. Okay. So first you get two paramedics that come and then the police come after that because this is just a woman who needs medical attention. And when the police get there, the medics are already tending to this woman and she's going to live. They got they got her sutured up enough where there's no, you know, her blood flow is controlled, stuff like that. So she's going to be fine. Okay. okay. However, they start looking around and this is a multi-story home she's living in. So she, there's it's three floors first, okay. second, and third. It's a town home and there's three floors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Police and EMTs were really interested about why there was blood everywhere else in the house. Like usually when you hear someone say blood everywhere, like usually we kind of like exaggerate that. Oh, there was just blood everywhere. Right. But unless it's like the Atlanta blood house or something, that's usually not the, the or the case. Idaho stabbings. However, in this case, it was too much blood to have just came from her body. Mm-hmm. She is still distraught, but she's going to live. She tells police that she felt, quote, desperate and trapped, end quote. She says that her husband, a Moroccan man, was supposed to get back later this night, and he is going to come in around 8 o'clock at night. He was in Morocco all weekend with his, with his family. Okay. So this is the husband right here. And did he actually come home? Yeah, he came home. Yeah. He was expected to be home and he came home to see this. Okay. This. So it's not like he was missing. I was wondering no. if he was. So this is the uh, husband. Okay. Right Why does he look suspicious? No, no, I'm, I was, I was wondering if he was a missing, like the, bo- his body was missing or something like that. And that's where the rest of the blood was coming from. No. So they go, when they do get upstairs, they find an itinerary and the itinerary says that, that he will be back back at 8.30 p.m. that night. That's when his plane is getting in. This was around 1 o'clock p.m., so it was still another seven hours before he would have any idea of what happened. Mm -hmm. All right, He he didn't have anything to do with this. He just comes back and sees this this mess, right? Now, this is where the case gets really terrible, if you will. There there was a friend, a family friend, a doctor, an older gentleman that lived with the family, which we'll talk about. He was... Like uh, a roommate? uh, A roommate, yes. Let me just... But maybe he had his own floor or something yeah let me just let me just get this guy out the way now this guy was a live-in doctor his name was dr Shar, a middle-aged belgium doctor and he lived with with them and helped support everything like the the fan the bills and stuff like that so her husband had met this doctor mm-hmm. and when he was a child so it's that sort of family like oh, he was okay. a doctor when he was a child so the doctor came really good friends with the whole family okay the husband's family longtime friend exactly Exactly. So when they, the, the woman who called and the the husband move to this part of Belgium, he like hosts them. And then it became obvious that, OK, I need to I need to stay here and help support financially. You know, because so they were they're a new married couple. So it was the doctor's apartment, technically. Um, And they moved yeah, in with him. Yeah. 
Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you want to say that, yeah. Because they, I mean, it, it seems like a really nice apartment. Yeah. And she is a former teacher and on her salary, she's not going to be able to make that. And he works like construction, stuff like that. Okay. So it is, it is a, a lot of financial dependence, dependence. on this guy. On the exactly. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Totally makes sense. Okay. So on that guy's mailbox so that mm-hmm. he has a mailbox in the house was taped. There was a note taped to that mailbox. Mm-hmm. Now they saw the note and it brings the case to a whole nother level. The note said, quote, I have taken the decision to go very far away with my children forever. End quote. So what do you think of that? Who's the, the doctor is the one that wrote that? No, no. The one that killed herself. The, oh. do- the doctor's not there today on this day. The doctor's not here. He's out of town okay. for this day. Okay. He's not a part of the story other than that he lives there. Sorry. He's a roommate. Okay. Got it. But Tape to his mailbox said, quote, I have taken the decision to go very far away with my children forever. So, well, that's ominous. She was 42 and he was around that age as well. So, OK, they're in their 40s. So their kids could be anywhere from like really young to in their 20s, depending on how old they were when they had kids. Are they um, the way she wrote that sounded really ominous and like, are her kids dead? All right. So let's talk about the scene here. And as you'll read from the police report, they're really was blood everywhere. It was multi-story house, like I said. Upstairs, the first room. All the carnage is going to be on the second floor. Okay, so she is on the first floor right by the entryway door. They go in, they see her spread eagle. She's blood everywhere, huge gash. The knife is right beside her or you know, one of the knives used and then they see blood going all up the stairs. They see blood as in the form of drag marks. Ooh. They see blood splatter on the walls. It's a the scene, it's a carnage scene, basically. So the police go upstairs and there's a few rooms from the layout that I found. There's four rooms on the second floor upstairs in the first room to the left. There were two bodies lying on a double bed and on this bed was also a diary and a kitchen knife with blood still on the blade. Now, this is the diary right here. I'm going to show you this uh, diary. Did you ever keep a diary or a journal when you were growing up? No. So this is the diary. You see how sporadic it is. Huh. It's all like scribbled on. Yeah. And what's crazy is she had a knife resting on this diary. So if you see at the bottom here, you see a blood uh, stain where the knife was laid across. And it actually goes across diagonally because she laid the bloody knife across this diary. Kind of crazy. But that's the uh, diary they found and they saw the scribble and it was just so much. And I'll tell you what it says here in a second. But Natasha says, oh, damn. Oh, shit. All right. So upstairs in the first room, two bodies lying on a double bed. There was a diary, like I said, and across the diary was a kitchen knife with blood on it. Both bodies in the bed were infants. (gasps) This was in the couple's marital bed. The husband is out of town. He's getting back from Morocco tonight. So he just lost his two kids. As I said, upstairs, first room, two bodies laying on a double bed, deceased. And they were children, not infants. One was almost two. The other one was seven. Young kids. Sydney did guess that there were going to be small children. Good job. From the Acte Accusacion, in the second floor bedroom assigned to the parental couple, the bodies of two infants were two infants lying on the bed. The little boy, four and a half years old, is lying on the left side of the bed on his back with his head and shoulders resting on the pillow. He is covered with a yellow quilt up to his torso. The child's face is covered with traces of dried blood. His throat is slit. 
So the boy is to, his name is Medhi, M-E-D-H-I. He is to the right side of his sister, seven-year-old Mina. They're both sitting there dead. And as you read, his throat was slit. And her, this is about Mina, the the seven-year-old that was resting right by his body. She is covered from the waist down. A stuffed rabbit is in her right hand. The child's throat is slit up to the spine. Blood spatters are seen in line with the wound. Jesus. So we cover cases like this before where where mama tries to kill babies and then tries to kill herself. And it literally, it never happens. You they know? can't go through with it. They with can't themselves. go through with it, yeah. But they killed their kids just fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, it sounds fucked up, but that's kind of the easy part, you know. Jesus, that's just the image of the rabbit. Oh, my God. A stuffed rabbit was in her right hand. The child's throat was slit up to the spine. Now, that may have been translated a little differently, but, you know, it may it may have said that it was slit to the spine, not I up mean, to that's- the spine deep then yeah yeah i don't speak french so i had to use the translator no that's cool and as you'll see there's a lot of blood i actually learned the the word for blood in french because it appeared so many times in this police report kind of crazy what is it uh it's i don't know how to say it but was song sangre no it's not sangre it's just song s-a-n-g song sang sang that's song i think Also in this first room, there were two dresser drawers open. There was two pieces of paper here. One was the itinerary of her husband, which wasn't really an itinerary like printed out. It was just that he would return at 5.15 p.m. that evening from Morocco. The other was an appointment time, and this was for one of her daughters, and that appointment was at 8.15. There was also another knife found, a black-handled butcher's knife, also written in the journal near the bottom of the sentence says the following quote life is unbearable ask dr veldekins and he will explain so let me show you the the photo again it's another ominous statement so somewhere in this photo it says ask dr oh yeah Vel- you can, i can kind of see it in the red yeah dr Vel- yeah, i can see his name bella dinkins yeah he will explain. Oh, and this says hope. It. I think it. This is kind of in English. Hope. It says life is hopeless. Uh, oh yeah, it does. Lovey, right? I don't know. I guess. Yeah, life. Lovey est insupportable. Life is unbearable, right? Damn. Sure, I don't speak French. <laughs> and then you see that's at fucking the, heavy at the top of the diary here. It has eight. 8.15, which I guess is 5.15 yep. p.m. Oh, 8.15 was... Uh, when the flight landed. No, excuse me. Excuse me. I uh, misspoke. 8.15 was the daughter's biopsy appointment. You can see there on the, uh, the thing. Remember, there was a daughter's biopsy appointment, and on this diary was also written the, the husband's time of return, which was 5.15. I don't know where that's written at, but okay. it's here somewhere. All right. You with me? Yes. So this is bad, right? It's pretty yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like, what would the doctor? Ha- how is he? How is he going to be able to share? And like, where is he? Is he? He's out for the day. No, but it's, he can it's not the same doctor. Oh, that Veldekins is not the same doctor. Excuse me. So that doctor Veldekins in the diary it says, "Ask Doctor Veldekins; he can explain." That's actually her psychiatrist. 
Got it. The family friend, I the only reason I'm mentioning him is because there is some blame thrown at him from her. But I looked into his background because I was like, what is was there an affair or something? And that's when I found out that this was just an old family friend, an old older, well-respected doctor who is paying for them and their kids to to live there. Mm. A family friend, like her husband was a child when this doctor met them and her parent and his parents, and he was stayed around that long, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So I, I'm sorry. I so misunderstood this, that was not the doctor she was referring to in the... No. no. Sorry. So that the doctor she wrote in the journal is her psychiatrist. The only reason I'm, I'm mentioning the live-in doctor, because I know it's confusing, he doesn't have anything to do with this story, but when you'll see here in a second, she mentions him. So I don't want okay. people to be like, what the... Who is this? Got you it. Know? No, I appreciate that. Yeah, so... I just was, got confused for a second. So just know that there is a live-in doctor, an old family friend, and, you know, I wouldn't even mention him if it wasn't for her. Okay. All right. That's terrible, right? Yes. All right. Well, there's three other rooms in that, uh, in that, on that second floor, so. How many children did they have? Remember, there's blood everywhere. From the uh, police report, in the second room, there were four beds inside. Now, these are bunk beds, so basically two beds, but they're bunked. In the second room, there were two children, both female, lying on the bed. In the first room, there was a little boy and a seven-year-old girl lying on the bed, dead. And in the second room, there's two females laying on the bed, dead. So there's four, four kids. Two children were in the second room, both female. They're both dead. Natasha goes, how many? Nicole's face says it all. Uh, from the acte accusation, the child on the bed, on the left bed, has her face completely covered with blood. Her, the hair at the back of the head is bloody. The throat is cut across the entire width of the neck. The child also bears the trace of a stab wound at the base of the neck. His sweater shirt is entirely stained of blood and the thighs of the pants present traces of blood. All right. That is terrible. The first female we'll talk about nine and a half. She has cuts on her hands, so she actually fought back. But it also begs the question of, okay, how did a mother kill four of her children in the same house while they were all there? Because, and and I get that, you know, the youngest was what, five, I believe. So four, four. So, you know, but how, like, how do they, how does she separate them? Yeah. And how, how are they not screaming? So, so just kind of think about that. It kind of reminds me of the uh, case we did, the Christmas killings. I think his name was uh, Gene Simmons. Oh yeah. Ellen's request. Gene Simmons. Simmons? I think so. Yeah, but how he uh, brought his uh, kids in one by one. Yeah, yeah. Nine and a half years old. Her name was Mariam. She has cuts all over her hands. She fought back. There was blood also on the child's feet that showed that the body, her body was dragged from multiple rooms and they noticed the drag marks. So she wasn't even killed in the second bedroom. She was killed elsewhere and dragged into the second bedroom. I mean, that's the, the, the like the dragging and the, oof, the scene in my mind is not good. Okay, we'll read the next one. It might get better. Police noted that a gray stuffed mouse had been placed between the two arms of the little victim. In another bed was the second girl, the second female, and she was lying on her stomach. Her face and clothes are covered with blood. The throat has been slit across the throat and has been, no wait, oh yeah, and has been slit across the entire width of the neck. There is no evidence of blood spatter. Traces on the right hand with a deep wound between 
between the thumb and index finger. Traces of rubbing indicate that the young victim would also have been dragged before being placed on the bed. She will be identified as Nora, aged 12 years old. So we got a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, a nine-and-a-half-year-old, and a 12-year-old. That's four. And those two were dragged from another room. And they also noticed that there was drag marks coming up the stairs, which we'll talk oh about here in a God. second because there's more rooms. <sighs> what all right the third room now i'm gonna let you guys off easy we can all rest easy that this was the final victim the the woman that called 911 she was a mother of five and now she's a mother of none but this is the final victim the body was lying on the lower bunk of another set of bunk beds the girl is on her stomach her feet resting on the middle bars at the foot of the bed and her head resting on the mattress turned to the right her face is covered in blood the throat it has a large sloping wound across the entire width. Numerous wounds on both hands suggest that she cr- tried to grab the knife during a struggle. So in the last room, the family office, which was in, in this room was completely turned over, furniture knocked down, everything else. There's blood splattered on the walls and floor. There was obviously a confrontation here. There are numerous blood stains in the front room. Large splatters on the floor, walls, furniture indicate that at least one of the children had his throat cut in this room. All right, so that's the large splatters on the floors and walls indicate that one of those kids that were that were dragged had their throats cut in this room. The computer seat, there was an quote absence of blood. You want to take a guess why just the seat? Because someone no, was sitting on it. Someone was sitting on it on the computer. Hmm. And mama came up and slit them when they didn't know about it. So terrible, right? Yeah. There was blood, and and I say there's blood everywhere because it's true. There was blood even in the bathroom, in the toilet. Quote, indeed of many traces of projections, which means flying blood splatter, will be noted there as well as a voluminous puddle of blood on the floor. End quote. Voluminous. Holy shit. I think it's interesting that when she called the police, right? She didn't mention her kids. And she's like, oh, the blood all came from me. I didn't say she said that. Oh. I told you that she said I tried to kill myself and and that I, I feel desperate and trapped. I didn't say she said anything about her kids. I don't know if she did. Okay. All that I could find was that she said she felt trapped and she was going to run away with her children. Well, that note said she was going to go very far away with her children. Quote, there were blood splashes toward the shelf and bidet beside this pond. They, they refer to the blood as a pond. Jeez. Officers noticed other traces of bloody steps and drag marks. So... There's blood even in the bathroom. There was blood in the sink. The mirror had rubbing blood on it where you try to rub it off. Someone tried to rub it off. Like maybe she put like her hand on there or clean whatever. It a little bit. And it was, it was just all over the place. Quote, the mirror showed traces of blood rubbed from top to bottom. All right. So here's here's what happened. Okay, because she did this, obviously, and she was trying to kill herself. That's obvious. The first one that she says she killed was Mina, age seven, who was watching TV with her sisters and brothers. Now, let me tell you this girl's name right quick, this lady's name. Let me show you her photo. Yeah, so, I would uh, like to put a face to the, yeah, and, uh, to the monster. Well, there's, this is her right here. Yikes. She looks not all there. I mean, that's definitely uh, quite the captioned photo. 
catch, catching her with her eyes like that. Like, And this one is interesting because this is her with her kids. You can put the faces to all the names. She kind of looks like she's upset. She doesn't look like she's smiling. The uh, the one in the back. No, the mother. Oh, oh, yeah. The paper said that the photo was of her smiling. And I was like, dude, she does not look like she's smiling. Uh, kind of. She looks, she looks like she's desperate and trapped. I don't know about that. So there's all the kids. And one more time, this is the, the mother. She was a 42-year-old school teacher. And I'm going to try to pronounce her name. And I tried to look it up everywhere. But all the videos that were pronouncing her name were in French. So I was like, dude, I'm not going to sit here and wait till they say your name because I won't even know, like, know when they say it anyway. Right. But she's a at the time she was 42 years old and her name is I know I'm going to mess this up. Genevieve Lermite. Yeah, Genevieve, right? Genevieve Lermite. L-H-E-R-M-I-T-T-E. Lermite. So that's bad. She killed five, five of her killed children, all five of her children. I'm going to read to you real quick what Natasha wrote. I swear, sometimes they are kept alive for a reason. I mean, in a way, it's like they got to suffer the consequences for what they did. And hopefully she's remorseful over it or she's crazy AF. That's a really good point, Natasha. But you got to remember, what is Belgium known for besides their waffles? Beer. Besides their waffles and beer. Fries. Chocolate. Something more macabre. (laughs) The reason I wanted to do this story, not because Nicole's been there. And that's definitely a reason why. But there is something very interesting about this case. Okay. Very interesting about this case. And Belgium, okay, the beautiful Belgium, is known by one paper I've seen as the, quote, euthanasia world capital, end quote. So euthanasia means the assisted suicide. Right. I'm surprised that Belgium is. The reason that, yeah, Belgium. I thought it was like Switzerland or something. No, Belgium is a place where you want to, if you want to kill yourself, you go to Belgium. From the BBC in Belgium, the law allows for people to choose to be euthanized if they are deemed to be suffering from unbearable psychological and not just physical suffering that cannot be healed. The Not just physical. Interesting. So Psychological. If you are depressed in Belgium, you can legally die. It is the quote well, euthanasia world capital. You know, it's kind of like it's well, kind well, of a well, weird law to begin with. You know? right, well, hold on a second. Before you talk about the law, why is that so important in this case? She's going to argue that she was euthanizing her children. No, no, no. U- euthanizing means you go in somewhere and they assist you with your suicide. Mm-hmm. She murdered her children, mm-hmm. but she tried to kill herself, but she wasn't successful. And she's suffering from some psychological illnesses. So are you saying that she She is going, she can ask to be euthanized? She could possibly complete the cycle because as a family annihilator, you kill all your children. She tried to kill herself, but she was unsuccessful. Since she's in Belgium, she has an opportunity to kill herself, which is really fucked up. Oh my God. I really want to text our link right now to my Leuven Belgium friends chat and be like, yo, <laughs> is that not really wow. fucked up that she could, she tried to kill herself to be with her children that she just murdered. And now I'm not going to tell you if she did or not, or if they let her until later, but we're in Belgium known for being the euthanasia capital of the world. I saw a lot of, uh, what's that guy that uh, wrote the uh, brave new world. Was that a story about euthanasia? I saw his name. A I don't lot. think so. Anyway, So you can tell why I wanted to do this case is kind of that is controversial, dude. (laughs) 
That is interesting, though. I know, right? It's interesting. Because she failed. She tried to kill herself. There's a huge gash in her neck. She she wasn't like, oh, my God, I cut my arm. I, I mean, don't want to kill myself. Oh, but then she didn't want to do it. Like, she legitimately failed. I don't know the answer <laughs> to this then, but, like, I, I definitely didn't know that about Belgium. Certainly not when I was living there, let alone anytime afterwards. Um, But I, w- I would actually kind of wonder in, like, the prison system, for example, then. Would a prisoner, if they were sentenced to life in prison, for example, for something, could they opt for suicide? Suicide, assisted euthanasia. Yeah, if they had a medical disorder such as depression, would be the lowest or the the easiest one. In 2022, hmm. 2,966 people died of euthanasia in Belgium, a 10% increase compared to 2021. So, and that has increased every year since. I am literally about to go text my so, friend Annie, so, who is still living over there. So, the reason that Belgium and Switzerland is that happiest place is because all those sad people kill themselves. I mean, apparently that's what it is right here. What the fuck? I mean, is that not it? <laughs> it's the fucking euthanasia capital of the world. <laughs> Shit. Wow. I, I'm like, my, I, I'm, my mind is blown right now. Now, I will say... To have it be for non-physical is really, really interesting. I've always thought, like, you know, if you are terminal and, you know, dying and in a lot of pain, like, I'm kind of, I, I don't know, I, I'm kind of of the camp, and I know that that's really controversial, that, like... Well, I will say most cases, most cases of those 3,000 last year I mentioned, they had some sort of cancer. Most cases. But there were several types of psychological cases as well with no terminal cancer. And that statistic is including just people who are going to like a professional like center to do such a thing. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. The reason I wanted to do the case is because, oh, my God, this woman kills her five children because she felt desperate and trapped, tries to kill herself. And now she actually has the opportunity to, to die. Wow. <laughs> if she can prove that she is, is not in her right mind. <laughs> well, I think that's easy, honestly. That's the easy part of this. <laughs> Is that not the craziest shit you've ever seen? It's all, all right. So there's there's two camps here. There's a camp that says, I think it's I think it's wonderful that, you know, she wants to go and be with her children. And there's another camp that says, I think it's so fucked up that she's trying to complete this circle <laughs> or whatever. There's really two different types of camps here. (laughs) I don't know. My mind is really having a hard time wrapping itself around this one. Because it's kind of like selfish, right? Like, she should should live out the rest of her life in grief and and guilt. I mean, it's one thing if she's making, like, if she's making that decision about her own life, but she made that decision, like, she ended her, all of her children's lives. But they didn't say you can, you can't be euthanized if you're a, a quintuplet murderer. That's not the law. The law is if you are suffering from, was it psychological or physical illness, you can request euthanasia. But you know, okay, hang on, hang on. What about the fact that she called 911 because, and she didn't go through with her own attempt. Okay, what about the fact Doesn't that show that maybe she actually didn't want to? What or couldn't cut it and therefore she should be forced to live and suffer? What about the fact that in her journal at the bottom was quote, life is unbearable ask Dr. Veldekens and he will explain. That's 
seems what to be do- pretty. De- what does Doctor Bell Deckins have to say about this? Oh, he got in some shit. What does he have to say? Did he encourage her to do, do something? No, but he didn't encourage her to do anything after she mentioned she has a recent fascination with knives and she has been wanting to kill her children, and he didn't do anything. <sighs> Shram said it's probably a good thing that Jen misses one. (laughs) Agreed, Shram. Agreed. I think John wanted to do it during the week for a reason. The murder started with Mina, seven years old. She was watching TV with her sisters and brother. Now, go back to the journal. I told you there was an appointment at 8.15 a.m. Okay, that's important because that appointment was actually for her eldest daughter, Yasmin, 14. And her eldest daughter was physically the same or larger in, you know, she's 15 years old, 14, she's a, 15 She's years a old. woman. Exactly. Like she could defend herself mm-hmm. and a four-year-old can't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so you can kind of argue premeditation because she did make that note that the appointment and she did this during when Yasmin was at her appointment. So Yasmin was the first to, Yasmin was the last to die. So she, she killed everybody else first because first. so that she. Upstairs. And then if you go back to okay. when I said there were, there was even drag more marks, blood drag marks coming up the stairs indicates that her eldest daughter came in from her appointments and was ambushed and then dragged up the stairs. Now, the reason she dragged the bodies up the stairs could also mean that she she premeditated, you know, I mean, or that she was trying to get away. A lot of the furniture was flipped over and it kind of looked like the house was ransacked at one point. Do you think the premeditation part matters versus like it being... No, because she thought she was going to kill her herself i mean yeah like i almost don't even know if that that is as significant in this type of case like i don't know if that i think she's she could be insane or clinically whatever whether it was premeditated or not but here's the thing though with this case so here's the two knives used you see one of them's real bloody Mm -hmm. you see that one so of the two knives that she used both of them were stolen that morning from a market, from the grocery store. She went to the grocery store and she stole these two knives. She had she had knives in the kitchen. There was a whole stack of knives. She didn't want it to be traced to her own personal knife. That's what I'm saying. So like there's at, definitely forethought to this. At one point, did she think she would get away with it? Because I I started to see that too. There was furniture flipped over. You know, they were all kind of concentrated in one room. Could she have said that someone jumped in the second story window and Mm. did this, you know, and then, oh, let me see your knives. Where's her knives at? Oh, they're all clean of DNA and blood. Like she didn't clean these. So obviously it can't be her because why else would she steal the knives and not use her own? Because she wants, she, that was, that was definitely intentional. Yeah. I know. But the cut on her neck, I think I can't imagine. Natasha says, so she's a klepto too. (laughs) I I can't imagine from what I read and obviously was translated that she wasn't trying to kill herself. I mean, it seemed like the the wound was just open and gashing, but maybe she, I mean, she didn't hit an artery. Obviously she cut herself right in the front. Maybe she knew that it wouldn't kill herself. Natasha has an interesting theory. And she could get out, you know, maybe the 15 year old slit her throat in self-defense and she used the, I tried to kill myself line instead. 
That's really interesting. So so maybe the mom didn't slit her own throat herself. Maybe. I will say that, I mean, it could possibly be because the mother didn't really say too much <laughs> about all this from what from what they've released. That poor least. husband. Oh, my God. Yeah, the husband, the husband comes Dad. home not only to see his wife, sh- you know, shoved away in a police facility, paddy prison, paddy wagon, but also five dead children. So like, let me let me show you because I tried to make it look like the husband may have had something to do with it because that's how I do things. But now look at him. Look at his eyes. That guy is going through hell. Yeah, that's really, really sad. I mean, he just lost five children. I cannot imagine. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know. That is Nuts. terrible. So anyway, going back to Mina seven, she was watching TV with her brothers and sisters. And that's when, and that's when the mom decided to call her upstairs. Everyone was downstairs watching TV. She calls them up one by one from the telegraph quote, armed with the butcher's knife. Lairmite spoke comforting words to the girl as she laid her on the bed and then strangled her and then cut her throat. Then the other four children would eventually come upstairs. Nora, Miriam, Mina, and Medi. So Mina was first, then Medi. Sorry, I can't say his name right. The three-year-old. So what do you think of this shit so far? From the, from the Daily Mail, on the 28th of February, 2007, the murder day, Lairmite stole two knives from the supermarket before cooking what would be a final meal for her five children. She locked the door and began slitting each child's throat. She told the jury that her daughter, Yasmin, 14, was, quote, too big for her to handle. So she, quote, tricked her into putting a blindfold on for a a quote surprise. So the oldest daughter comes in. She doesn't see the blood immediately. She's not ambushed with a knife. She's ambushed with a blindfold. I got a present for you. A big surprise. And then after that, when she is blindfolded, she's now in the living room on the first floor. The mom picked up a heavy marble table that was the, you know, the coffee table and knocked her daughter out for slitting her throat and then dragged her daughter upstairs. <laughs> Jesus. I, thank God Jen's not here tonight. <laughs> I I can't say her tagline for her, but this is this is fucking awful. Seeing no solution to her problems and unable to imagine her children living without her. She heard a voice say to her on the day of the murders that, quote, the machine has begun working, end quote. That's what she told authorities. What? What is that supposed to mean? It means that she's going to try the insanity plea. So a lo- her lawyer, after this happened, said that she was ment- mentally disturbed and shouldn't spend even one day in prison. However, she was sentenced to life in prison. OK, but that was quickly reversed to include her mental illness. Article 71 of the penal code says, quote, relating to irresistible coercion says, in fact, that there is no crime if the accused was suffering at the time of the facts from a mental disorder which which abolished or seriously altered his or her capacity for discernment or control of his or her actions or when he or she was compelled by force which he or, could, he or she could not resist, end quote. So she said the mental illness, she was hearing voices and that's what made her do it. And then that allows her to get off scot-free? Scot-free, but in a 
in a mental. Okay, that a, would still. She got to pick her mental health facility to live in. I mean, what if she picks like the fucking spa, med spa in, you know, the south of France? All right, let me get into this doctor real quick. The, the roommate, I don't want you guys to think too much about it, but she was married to her husband September 20th, 1990. She moved into the apartment that he shared at the time with Dr. Shar, an old doctor, family friend, and he has been the family friend since the 1980s. And he hosted them and he was paying all the bills for the five children, which is a, a quite a bit of ta- quite a big tab. OK, but she would say, quote, he lived with us even when we went on our honeymoon and slept in our room. We had to wait until he fell asleep before we could make love. So she began to resent this doctor, even though from what I've seen, this guy was just helping out the family. Little though that he was staying in their room and went on their honeymoon with them though no I I, I could not find anything weird about the doctor I, I couldn't find anything great about him either it seems like the media really kept him out of the the papers which is kind of weird I know and honestly I know he was paying all the financials and I assumed on this episode that looking at the apartment was nice that is why however there could have been something that I didn't see I didn't see it in any police report. Kind of hard to do the research though if it's in another language. So I'll give you that. I did the best I could, but I mean, you would you would expect like Daily Mail to have something, but they just barely mentioned it. Like they didn't know what it was either. It's just like this weird kind of thing. It's like, okay, this guy's living there. Okay, moving on. Hmm. Honestly, because I thought that was it. I was like, well, maybe there's an affair or something, but I couldn't find anything. But I will say that there was some resentment and the only resentment I could see was that he was living there and it was from her. And maybe she's trying to place the blame on someone because this is fucked Mm, up. mm -hmm. Listen to this. She says that she started to resent him and then she, quote, laid the dead body of Nora, 13, in the bathroom of Dr. Shars. So I, I imagine maybe that uh, bathroom was shared by the that second that second uh, office room upstairs, mm-hmm. like I could, or maybe she drug it back out. But she did say that she had at one point laid the body of her 13 year old daughter Nora in the bathroom of Doctor Shaw, and she did this quote: "Nora was his favorite. I wanted to hurt him." End quote. So I don't know how you want to take that. Interesting. I mean, so uh, I'll read you kind of summarize some of the. Comments. Like the the honeymoon thing and him sleeping in the same room and they need them needing to uh, wait until he fell asleep to you know consummate their marriage. That's definitely weird. Maybe it is, dude. I've tried everywhere. I could is is that part you cannot deny is that's weird. You can't even really find a picture of this dude. It's just like like how wealthy is this dude? You know it's what I like mean? So like was it aforementioned? Like hardly it's hardly mentioned. And it's so, so weird because like even in the Daily Mail, it's like. Oh, and the family friend, Dr. Jar. Like, does this guy own, like, the newspapers? You know what I mean? I don't know. And then, so Sydney also said... Kind of worried now. No, (laughs) yeah. We're, like, the only podcast in America that's covered this story. He's coming after us. Uh, Alleged. This is all alleged speculation. I am just reading comments, doctor. Uh, Sydney here says, no man takes care of somebody else's family because they're nice. Or just your friend. There's got to be something there. Maybe some were his kids. Maybe the oldest. Maybe Nora. I saw... Speculation, reading, comments. I know, but I saw... I, I will tell you for a fact that he has been a family friend of the husband's mom and dad since the 80s. I will say, in, in my... like. 
I'll play devil's advocate to that, Sydney. My parents' best friends growing up, like they had kids our age. They would maybe not to the extent like they they wouldn't have been sleeping in the same bedroom um, during our honeymoon. But like if I ever needed something, I know I could probably call them and like go live with them for a a minute or whatever. Um, You know, you think you can have family friends that can be that close to this family. Maybe it was like a father figure, you know, really close. And maybe if he didn't have any children, I'm sure he he saw them as his kids and grandkids if they were really that close. So I could see that. So I'm reading this is from a medium post of someone that did it, but it says, quote, Nora, Dr. Shar's beloved goddaughter was slain by Lairmite from behind. Lairmite wrote, quote, Judas in Nora's blood on the bathroom mirror after she was killed, just so Nora's death would hurt him. So maybe may, maybe I mistranslated it to she placed her body in the bathroom to she just used the blood to write on the mirror. Or something. I mean, I still, like, that's that's weird. Personal. She's got some sort of issue with him. This this post says she did it because Dr. Mikhail Shar, a middle-aged Belgian doctor, lived with the family and a quote affected her roles as a wife and mother. But that's all I saw is I didn't see anything with any I didn't see anything like that, like with this guy. I know it's weird now that I really think about it, because, you know, like Daily Mail and stuff would pull that shit up. I would say like it seems the only thing that seems real that was really weird about that was the honeymoon thing and him. It does. It does make sense because you mean, look at that freaking apartment, dude. Yeah. Like you don't have anywhere else to go. So here's this guy. Let me show you this guy. I'm not saying this guy has anything to do with it, but I am saying it is a little weird that I couldn't find hardly anything on him. And it really seemed like it seemed kind of like they were leaving him out on purpose but this is him right here dr michael shard and honestly i was thinking of uh shard like a scar from uh the lion king (laughs) i mean this guy must be evil (laughs) must be rhymes with scar i mean it doesn't say anything man about Mm. it doesn't say anything about anything nefarious with him man i don't know that's one of your favorite words nefarious is it yeah isn't it am i wrong tell me i'm wrong i don't know i guess so i don't know if anyone can find that out that'd be Mm. really interesting probably gonna have to go through a lot of uh like uh foreign newspapers foreign not even newspapers like because i've went through those i mean i don't know all right anyway moving on so obviously you know where this is going right well, I, I, I don't know, actually. I, I, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how this one's going to end. I will say in 2010, she filed a, lo- a lawsuit against that psychiatrist, the one that she blamed in the letter, for oh. an inaction. And she blamed him for the murders of... Um, like, let's take some self-responsibility. But I will say, before the slaughter, she not only talk, you know, was going to him regularly, but also sent several letters speaking of, quote, her fascination with knives and the idea of killing her children, end quote. All right. So um, let's see if she can get euthanized. <laughs> Who wants to take a guess? Does she get euthanized or not? This is so fucked up. Jesus Holy shit. Christ. I will this say, is fucked up. <laughs> I will say this. All right. It is uh, is very controversial if she should be euthanized. Okay. No shit. Because um, one one psych and different psychologists have different takes on it, but I really like the one this one said, and her name was Emily Marriott, a psychi- a psychologist. 
quote, it may, and she was talking about, well, it may because she wants, maybe it's because she wants to be with her children. Okay. That seems honorable. No, 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 no. It's not like her children were already dead. She killed her children. But, Fuck but, that. but, Fuck that. but, well, so she says, this is the 8.3 ABV beer talking, but fuck that. The psychologist says it could be a symbolic gesture in respect for her children. Because she did put in to be euthanized and she got to pick her day and it was the anniversary, February 28th, murder day, 10 years later. Quote, it may also have been for her to finish what she started. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) That is so fucked up. (laughs) What do you think? Huh? The fuck? Natasha goes, she killed her freaking children and wrote in a mirror with her kids blood. All caps. So this is really recent news. This is what's today? March 16th. Yeah. Uh, No. 21st. She killed her children. She killed her children. 2007. So today's March 20th. This article was from March 3rd of this year, 2023. And if you want to read the title of this, it's from the BBC. Genevieve Lermit, Belgian mother who killed her five children. Children euthanized on the anniversary. So this was two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago on the anniversary, the exact day that she killed all of her children a few weeks ago, she was finally allowed to be euthanized. And and she did. And she actually was euthanized at the Leonardo da Vinci hospital in Belgium. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I just chugged my beer. <laughs> she finished what she was started. Holy You're shit. behind. She finished what she started. Is that not fucked up? The glass <laughs> allows you to chug just as an <laughs> FYI. That's fucked up. Is that not fucked up? I am <laughs> distressed. <laughs> And that she did, she did it on her fucking anniversary of the killings, the exact day. So what is that? Uh, 20, 2023 is 15 years, 15 years. So the 15th anniversary, 16, right? It was a 2007. And she has been trying to do this since 2010 and they finally let her do it, but they let her do it on the anniversary day. Like that feels like just disrespectful. <laughs> I know, right? It feels like she finally won. It feels like she got away with murder. <laughs> Does it not? It feels like she won <laughs> to me. I know it sounds fucked up, but all right. I, when I'm gonna send the, the uh, finished episode <laughs> link to uh, to my Belgian crew, and this... I'm gonna get their take on this as well because this is so disturbing. Like, I want Vinny, who Vinny, who is Belgian. Um, I Vinny, I want to hear your take on this. I'm surprised you haven't heard this one. No, no. She, I mean, I don't think so. She quote finished what she started. <laughs> they let her do it. Belgium, Belgium, let her do. It. They let her be killed. <laughs> I mean, prisoners here wait 50 years to be put to death. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Like death. And it's not their choice, right? It's like that's what, you know, is decided by a, you know, judge and jury and executioner. And it's weird. And honestly, she would have probably done this a lot earlier. She had this $3 million lawsuit against her former psychiatrist, which she didn't drop until 2021. She dropped it, though. She dropped it because it was I a 10 year battle and she didn't get anything. How do you think the husband like? Oh, I don't know. The dad, you know, is it? 
and I'm trying to like think of this from a different side. Okay, you know, you know me. I'm, I want to like really, really think about this. I would have made a great attorney. Um, and arguing from a societal like resource perspective, like or just kind of like we've talked about this about other things, you know, about drugs and like fuck, just whatever, make it legal. I don't care. Don't care. Um. God, don't cut me with if that it's, fucking thing. If it's, it's just, a, it's my, this is my Leuven Stella Artois bottle opener. Maybe she, maybe she wanted to be with her ki- children. Maybe she was mentally disturbed like she claimed, which was the reason why I went into, you know, she stole the knives and stuff like this because she claimed that she was mentally disturbed. However, there was premeditation there. So I kind of tried to debunk that a little bit, but maybe she was mentally disturbed and she felt so guilty and, and grief stricken that now she can finally be with her kids and maybe she's with her kids and okay. they're all Okay, happy. hang on, hang on. Does Belgium have the death penalty? I don't Otherwise, think so. as part of their I doubt uh, it. Can, like, can you Google real quick? Does Belgium it. have the death penalty? So what I would say is in, in, they, they inter- the, uh, what's, what's the opposite of penalty? Like the, the death <laughs> reward? Like, reward. <laughs> um, but okay, so if we were just like, let me just pull this case back a little bit. If we were to have d- covered this case and took place in America. No, it was a abolished in 1996. Okay, so they don't have the death penalty. That's fascinating to me that they could allow euthanasia and not have the death penalty. But you can To say, me that is like two two sides of the same coin, right? Kind of, but, but euthanasia I do think is a good thing if you're suffering from cancer. Yeah, I do too. I I do too. You, you know why we don't have it over here is because I mean, we can make money off people suffering from cancer. I mean, if we have radiation and we could do this and that and the other, I mean, come on, let's mm. try to keep them alive. There's a lot of re- I mean, yeah. that sounds fucked up, but you don't think it's true? I mean, you, look at this shit. You know, you're not wrong. But okay, okay. So I'm uh, so I'm, I'm going, I'm going to really, really try to take a different take on this. If the story were to happen in, yeah, like that blows my mind that death penalty can be illegal, but euthanasia can't. Or vo- like voluntary suicide, basically. If this case was in the United States and a woman killed her five children and was unsuccessful in killing herself... And she got the death penalty. That wouldn't happen. Why? Because. Depends on the state. Unless she didn't have a mental illness. But in every okay. case we've covered, there were some sort of schizophrenia. Okay. Oh, well, actually, like Susan Smith drowning her kids in the lake. Yeah. But she didn't try to kill herself. She she blamed a black man. <laughs> Because she's well, in the South. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> dear old Susan from South Carolina. <laughs> black man did it. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? But, but it, okay, but it, would we be saying like, fuck, I wouldn't care if she died. Like if she got, if she got the death penalty. You know my thoughts on it. Do you know where, it. you know where I'm going with it, this though? But yeah, but you know my thoughts on it, dude. If she is mentally ill, we have a responsibility not to hold her accountable, but we have to know for sure because just like like that Calgary kid that stabbed his five friends to death, if he didn't, wasn't in his body when he was doing it because he has a mental illness, you cannot hold him accountable. That's a safety mechanism. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know? So they go and so, so mental you- illness is real and, and mental illness and depression stuff, but I'm talking about psych, psychotic breaks and psychotic visions and stuff like that. So do you think she had a psychotic break? No, I don't. I think she, uh, I think she okay. was, quote, Desperate and trapped. <laughs> she has. I guess this so. W- if this was a case that happened in America, this is what I'm thinking. I think that she. I think that she was 
stuck at home with five kids. And she's like, fuck, I have five kids. I don't have a life. I don't go anywhere. I can't even get out I, of the house. I, I got five fucking kids. I'm not talking. My husband's not even here. <laughs> I'm not speculating on the why. I am, I am, I am being a little controversial on like, do we really care about the outcome that she chose to end her own life? But, I don't know. But did she do it to clear her own conscience? No, not to clear. I mean, it seems like she did it as of one of those last fuck yous. Does it not? She did it on the anniversary, the anniversary of the murder. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you even get that? No, I, mean, I know. I'm just, again, I'm, I'm just trying to see like the other side of she was it was either this or living in a mental institution for the rest of her life. Right. Fuck it. I don't know. That's a that is a a mind bender. I don't e- I don't even know. But the fact that I don't know, I feel like she just wanted to finish what she started like that psychiatrist said. I mean, that is <laughs> I mean, you think about it. It's like Michael. It's like Michael Myers. Remember we watched Halloween? Mm-hmm. I mean, why does that guy even keep coming back? Because fucking Jodie Foster or what's her name? <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't die. If and his sister, so Jamie Lee Curtis or whatever, his sister. He killed his one sister, I believe. I can't remember the first one. He tr- no, he kills his family. His parents. His parents. He tries to kill his sister, but he's unsuccessful. So even though he dies, he gets electrocuted, thrown off a roof, set on fire. His head is cut off. All of this stuff. He's riddled with bullets. He's exploded. He has done all this stuff. His head was chopped off in his, one. His literal, his literal head was chopped off. <laughs> but then they're like, "Fuck, we we can make more money." He, if he it can be stitched back on. But he keeps coming back, and that works because he has this mission. He has to finish what he started. So her mission is to end her own life as well as her children. It's what she started. It, even if it's not a fuck you to my children in society, it's still you're letting her finish what she started for her own benefit. You know what I'm saying? You're still letting her do this for herself, which is selfish versus, because that's what I'm saying, which is she just killed five kills versus in a, in a case where she killed her five children, attempted to kill herself then after, but was unsuccessful. And in a country where euthanasia is not legal, she may have gotten the death penalty and it would have not at least then been her call to, to, to be forced to die or live with her consequences for the rest of her life. Oh yeah, if she was in America, she would just, I mean, we can't, we can't kill her. We can't put her to death. I'm just throwing that out there. Like the difference is in her saying, choice versus that's the what I'm saying. That's, choice. That's the, the point of the that's case. The, her choice. Like why does she have a choice? The outcome may be the same, but the and fact I that it's her decision, her wishes, her anniversary date of her children's murder by her own hand. I don't think that's that. That's the difference. I don't think that she. Do you understand what I'm trying to drive home now? I don't even think she wanted to kill herself. Why would she steal the knives? Doesn't make any sense. She's you steal knives so they're not traced back to you. Am I saying anything profound, and or do I think I'm just saying profound things because of the beer? It sounds like she flipped over a bunch of furniture. Like, was she going to try to, you know? And dude, if you want to kill your, like, literally, why bring your kids involved? Right? Like, if you ha- if you're uh, not happy with your own life, she she took the life of her her all of her children, their yeah. entire futures. But that's the reason she's not happy because she's trapped and depressed. <sighs> 
She's living in this one house. This doctor is paying this doctor who we don't know who's the background of is paying this whole family, basically emasculating the husband, like kind of taking over the role of the wife from what she said. I mean, I don't know. You tell me, man. You're from fucking Belgium. I'm not. Well, (laughs) I'm from goddamn America. Okay, fucking America. Susan Smith. I believe in just the good old fashioned death penalty. A burn Bundy burn. I I went on a a classroom trip. Th- this is how hick my fucking school was in Gilbert. I went on a classroom trip to see <laughs> Pee Wee Gaskins sell. It was Pee-wee, a Pee playing with his pee pee. It was a classroom field trip to see the cell of a serial killer, Pee Wee Gaskins. D- was it to deter y'all at all from following in his footsteps? Or? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it had no educational benefit, and I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, the uh, the warden there or whatever was really dumbfounded on why there was a bunch of kids running around the prison. <laughs> Because it was a CCI was the prison and it was about to be closed down. So our school was like, we got to go see this. It's a cell. It's about to be torn down. This once in a lifetime. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, shit. So I don't know. Amazing. Is anyone still on here? Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. even have a uh, technology is all fucked up. No, it's it is all good. Anyway, thanks, everybody. OK, I'll see you later. Well, say say something. Bye. No, you need to. I don't want to do it this time. Good night, you lovely, lovely people.